Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to the book of Exodus, and I want to read a couple scriptures here out of the third chapter of the book of Exodus. Um, if you remember uh, the account of Moses uh, the, on the summary of, of uh, part of Moses' life, and it says uh, that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, meaning that Moses was brought up in the house of Pharaoh by the providence of God and uh, had wealth and riches and authority, power, and was in a really good place. Uh, but then the Lord worked on Moses' heart and he realized that that was not uh, the people that he was supposed to be with. He was supposed to be with the Hebrews, the Israelites. And so Moses, uh, even though the Israelites were uh, not as prosperous, near as prosperous as the Egyptians, he said, I would rather go suffer in affliction with God's people than to live and uh, have the pleasures of this world and the pleasures of sin just for a short time. And so Moses forsakes um, all the uh, wonderful worldly uh, comforts that he had, and he goes uh, basically to live out in the desert for a long period of time. Uh, and this is where Exodus, the third chapter, picks up. He has been living in the desert for decades. And in Exodus, the third chapter, this is what we read on this particular account of Moses. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed." And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, probably many of you are familiar with that uh, passage of Scripture. And it's always been fascinating, especially as a child, to think about that. To think about a man looking at a bush that is on fire, but to, to see that the fire is not um, having any type of power over this bush, right? Because fire devours a bush. That's just what it does, you know. And, and that's not the only time we see the Lord do that. Fire also consumes people, right? But it didn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in this particular instance, uh, the Lord has a bush here, and he presents himself to Moses through a bush that is burning but not being consumed. And when Moses is walking through the desert, and he looks over and he sees this bush that is burning but is not consumed... He is interested in it, and he says he turns aside, and he goes over towards, towards the bush. And as he does that, he hears, he hears the Lord speak to him. And the Lord is about to give him the great charge of taking, uh, going to Pharaoh and delivering, leading the Israelite people out of Egypt, right? Very inter interesting passage of Scripture to me. You find something very, very similar in Joshua um, you don't have to turn over there. It's just a few verses, but let me read this to you. In Joshua, the fifth chapter, you find another account that's very similar. 
this is when um, the children of Israel have been in the, in the wilderness for a long time. Moses has died. Joshua is in charge. And Joshua is about to lead them on this great conquest of the land that the Lord promised them. And so step one in doing that is to cross over the Jordan River, right? They cross over the Jordan River and the first uh, major city that they have to uh, overcome is Jericho, right? So I, I can't tell you exactly what Joshua uh, was doing at this particular time, but in my mind, he was probably praying. And so as, as they're on the eve of this great conquest, Perhaps Joshua is praying, but it says this, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, they've crossed over Jordan, they're between Jordan and Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are thou for us or for our adversaries? I always have loved the courage of Joshua, right? If I had to preach a series of sermon on courage, it would be uh, after the pattern of Joshua. He says, Are thou for us or, thou, or, or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? It's the same, same spirit, same power, same Lord that was in that bush that's standing in front of Joshua. And he says, I am captain of the host of the Lord, am I, am I come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's hosts said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. The comparison between those two, which is not my subject this morning, is very interesting to me. You've got Joshua who is about to undertake, um, I mean uh, Moses who is about to take on the leadership of bringing Israel out of Egypt, which is no small thing. You have Joshua who's about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land where they would face many battles. And in both of those times, the Lord visits both of those men, both of those leaders in very unusual ways. And in both of those cases, the Lord tells Moses and the Lord tells Joshua, the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, the word holy means this. I want you to really listen to this. The definition of the word holy, according to the, the Strong's concordance, is of things which on account of some connection with God possess a certain distinction and claim to reverence. Now, we know distinction just simply means something that is different, right? Something that is, if you, say, if you make a distinction about something, you set it apart because it is different, right? Uh, you may take a, a, bat, uh, uh, you know, a bucket full of apples and make some distinction, which ones are good apples and which ones are bad apples. You're saying they're different, right? So when something is holy, it is simply because it has a connection with God, and because of that connection, it possesses a certain distinction, right? Now, this ground that Moses was standing on the ground that Joshua was standing on was no special ground. It, it was the same. It was not a special, powerful, more fertile dirt. It was simply ground, right? right. Until what? Until it had a connection with the Lord. Right. And once the, the Lord came in the form of a burning bush or as the captain of the armies of the Lord, once that connection was made, that ground became something entirely different. Right? Because it had a connection with the Lord, that is what makes it holy. Now, 
If you, if you go through the Bible and you look at all the different things that the, the Bible describes as holy, you find that there was uh, an oil in the Old Testament that was called holy. You find that there were uh, meats that were offered to the Lord that are described as holy, right? You find that in the tabernacle that the Lord instructed them to, to uh, put up and take down as they traveled. You find in that tabernacle an inner room, right? Which the Lord said is the most holy of all, right? You find the Bible talking about the temple being holy. You find in uh, the book of Romans, you find, and in other places in the Bible, you find that the word of God is described as holy, right? right. Now, <clears throat> I want you to picture this in your mind. What if Moses walks up and he turns aside and he goes to look at this burning bush? And the Lord speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and says, take your shoes off your feet. Because the place where you are standing is holy ground. What if Moses would have said, I'm good. I don't want to take my shoes off. There's thorns. I don't want to get my feet any dirtier than they already are. Now I'll come over there to you and, and I'll kneel, but I, I, you know, I don't want to take my shoes off. Right? What if Joshua would have looked at the captain of the, the, uh, of the Lord's armies and when he said take your shoe off because where you're standing is holy, he would have said, I don't, I don't want to do that. What if they would have used in the Old Testament when they uh, put the tabernacle up in the most holy place where only the high priest was able to go in there and enter, what if they decided, hey, it's raining outside, it's, my tent's too far away, we're going to go in here and play a game of cards, let's just go into the most holy place and play our card game right there and use the Ark of the Covenant as a table. Right? What would you think about that? It would probably really bother you if you read that in those scriptures, right? Because when we think of holy things that should be distinct and set apart because of their connection with God, we, in our minds, we want them to be reverent and we want them to appear holy, right? We want them to be treated as holy, right? Now, The Bible says that this is holy. Do we treat this with reverence? You see, what sets this book apart from any other written account in the world is this has a connection with God. Because this was inspired by the Lord Himself. And He moved on, the Bible says, holy men... To write these words down, this is set apart from, this is distinct from every other book in this entire world. Because it has a connection with God. Now, that's not my subject this morning, but do we treat it that way? Or do we say, maybe like Moses could have said, eh, I don't want to take my shoes off. This book right here demands our reverence, Right? It demands our respect, just like the ground that Moses and Joshua stood on. Are you with me? Yes. Now, it would bother me if I read through these accounts in the Bible and I saw these men not honor and bring reverence to the things that the Lord told them were holy. 
You know, there's a thing in the Bible, a passage in the Bible, an account in the Bible, where it speaks about the abomination of desolation. You know, the, the Bible calls, the Lord called his temple holy. But history tells us there was a time when um, Jerusalem was overthrown that one of the evil leaders took a pig into the temple and slaughtered a pig on the altar and spread its blood all over the temple, which is described as the abomination of desolation. He took a holy place and, and did not make it distinct, and he treated it uh, with, with great disrespect, right? But we really got to turn that around and look at our own selves. Are the things that the Lord says are holy, do we treat them like they are holy? Do we treat them that, like they are distinct? Again, another sermon from another, another day would be how, just simply, how do we treat this, right? But now, I want to look at one more thing in 1 Peter in the first chapter. And this is really where the rubber meets the road as far as this sermon goes. 1 Peter, the first chapter. In verse 14, I want you to listen to me. This is another thing that I want to talk about that the Lord says is holy. Verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or your way of life. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. That's written in the book of Leviticus. Are you with me there? Because we have a connection with God through being foreknown, predestinated, uh, called, justified, and glorified. Because we have that special connection with God that is solely God's doing. We are holy. Right? We are distinct. The Bible even says, uh, you know, what, what concord has light with darkness? It tells us that we are to come out and be separate. Meaning what? Distinct. Right? Now, in 2 Peter, the third chapter, in verse 11, notice this. Or verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That tells me, when I read that verse, that tells me, don't get too attached to the things of this world. Don't let them have too much influence on you. Don't spend all of your time and energy pursuing the things of this world because they are going to pass away. And he says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? That means our manner of life should be separate and distinct from the things of this world, right? But sometimes it's not because we get so, we, we are so driven to pursue the things of this world that we forget that we ought to be holy because the Lord is holy. Now, when we lay holiness aside, our own holiness, when we lay it aside, when we lay aside the holiness of this book, it would be no different than Moses talking to the Lord in the burning bush and him saying, I don't think I'm going to take my shoes off. 
That's shocking, right? If we read that in Exodus, the third chapter, as Moses' response, it would be shocking and alarming. But that's the spirit we take on when we lay aside the truth that we are to be holy. Because the Lord is holy, and because of our connection with Him, we should possess a certain distinction and claim to reverence. Now, holiness is a lot bigger subject than I have uh, time to talk about. But the question is, are we distinct in our behavior? Are we distinct in our choices of entertainment? Are we distinct in our conversation? Are we distinct in every manner of our life? Let me tell you the, the, the strategy that the devil has right now. Is anytime a child of God says, I will live in holiness. I will live <clears throat> distinctly because of my connection with God. He has all the powers of the darkness in this world pointing fingers at you, trying to find a hot mic with a news on it or something on social media to call you narrow-minded. That's his tactic. Right. Oh, you want to be distinct and set apart? You're narrow-minded. You're evil. You're a bigot. You're all these things that we're like, oh, I don't want people to call me that. Well, brothers and sisters, if you're called narrow-minded for the Lord's sake, praise God, Amen. Right? We should be holy. There's so many things in this world that we pursue with a passion that we lay our holiness aside. And the Lord is saying they're all going to be gone. Every single one of them is temporary and will be burned up in a fervent heat. So quit pursuing those with a passion you are pursuing them with and pursue holiness. Be different. Be distinct. Stand out. I would say to the young people, listen, <clears throat> If the Lord told me you only get one prayer to pray for the young people of this world <clears throat> for the rest of your life. My prayer is that they would have courage to stand up and be separate and be distinct and be proud to say it is because of my connection with the Lord that I will not look or walk like the world looks and walks. Amen. That would be my prayer for the young people, because listen. It's a lot easier, it seems like it's a whole lot easier to not be swept away by some of the, the, the things that are going on in the world as you get older. But there's something about being that young, impressionable age where there is such a strong desire to fit in. And it's dangerous. My prayer would be young people surround yourself with godly people who are interested in pursuing holiness Amen. not because they want to walk around with their nose stuck up in the air because they want to walk around with their face towards the ground in humility Amen. when you understand holiness you do what Moses did you take off your shoes and you fall flat on your face Amen. You do what Joshua did. You take those sandals off and you fall on your face before the Lord. It's humility that motivates us to be holy. Amen. Right? I may have said that backwards. It's holiness that motivates us to be humble. That's what I meant to say. But that's my, that would be my prayer for, you, for the young people. Because it, it breaks my heart when I see so many people. With so much potential, not in a sense of education. I'm talking about potential, influence, 
a stage that is set before them to point their finger towards the Lord and glorify Him with their good works. But it takes one or two, maybe three people, and they are swept away and start pursuing the things of this world. And the kingdom of God, as somebody said the other day when Brother Martin was here, the kingdom of God suffers. Right? Right? Holiness. When was the last time you woke up in the morning and said, Lord, today when my feet hit the ground, I've got to have money to, 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 you know, to provide. I've got to have all these things. But Lord, let me pursue holiness with a greater passion than I pursue money, that I pursue fame, that I pursue entertainment, that I pursue sports or whatever it may be. Let me pursue holiness. Amen. And let me give you this definition one more time. Holiness, holy of things which on account of some connection with God possess a certain distinction and claim to reverence. The world is not going to hold your holiness in very high regard. They're going to do everything they can to embarrass you about it, to make you afraid to be holy. But the Lord holds it in very high regard. Because when you're holy, you're just a reflection of Him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Right? Whether it's ground that the Lord is on, whether it's a temple that the Lord is in, whether it's the most holy place that the Lord is in, where the Lord is, that is a sacred, special, distinct thing. And the body says, for all of those that have been born again by the Spirit of God, the Lord is here. We are the temple. Right? Let us not live our lives where we walk and live like an abomination of desolation. Right? right? I pray that you'll embrace holiness and pursue it because it is a wonderful thing in the eyes of the Lord. I hope that's been profitable. Please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.